this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode after presenting a picture of being on the same page for a considerable length of time the appointment of a new chief of the inter services intelligence or isi directorate has created a very public void between pakistani prime minister imran khan and army chief kamar javed bajwa it appears that the appointment of lieutenant general khalid anjum as the new chief was as important as the shunting out of the old one lieutenant general faiz hamid after his very public statements to the press in kabul days after the taliban takeover of afghanistan though imran khan finally approved the appointment of lieutenant general anjum as isi chief on october 27th many pakistani analysts believe that there could be more to come in the ongoing saga of civil military relations in pakistan to discuss this issue i have with me rana banerji former special secretary in india's cabinet secretariat someone who has had long experience in dealing with and analyzing developments in pakistan welcome to in focus mr banerji thank you amit it's a great privilege to be on your podcast so mr banerji tell us what do you make of this very public spat between imran khan and army chief bajwa yeah i substantially agree with what you have conveyed the narrative of the same page which prevailed since 2018 july elections which brought imran to power in what was described as a hybrid dispensation a political civilian facade approved by the army has been badly disrupted due to this fracas about the so called assertion of prime minister's powers to appoint the isi chief actually this is a power which has been more exercised by convention not by any rule or law that is prescribed and more often than not it is the will of the army chief that has prevailed historically speaking whenever the civilian elected prime minister of pakistan has desired to have an isi chief of his own choice he has fallen by the wayside if the army chief did not consent or did not endorse this selection so what is your sense i mean you're right about the historical precedent we had uh, benazir bhutto wanting to appoint an isi chief of her choice uh, issues we had there so far it appeared that things were going well between the army chief and imran khan i mean why do you think that these differences and this is a, these are very public differences that we saw you see it has a lot to do with uh, general faiz hamid's stint in the isi and his rather controversial role in dabbling in the internal political discourse in a manner which has been seen to strengthen the political fortunes of the pakistan tehreek e ittehad insaf imran khan's party this has been the pattern since the faizabad mode agitation of the tehreek e labaik the religious fundamentalist party which was endorsed at that time by the military establishment only to destabilize the regime of civilian elected prime minister nawaz sharif General Faiz Hamid, who was then the deputy director general in ISI, was reportedly seen distributing money to some of the volunteers of the Tehreek e Labaik when an agreement was reached to disperse. Subsequently, also he has been found to be involved in pressurizing or intimidating judges, which became apparent in the statements given by Justice Shokat Siddiqui after his retirement and after he was censured by the Supreme Judicial Council. he said that he had been intimidated and he had been asked to take a position in the cases against 
Nawaz Sharif and his daughter Maryam Nawaz in a manner in which they could get long detention sentences in the cases pending in the National Accountability Bureau. So all along, Imran Khan has felt very comfortable with the role that was being played by Lieutenant General Faiz Hamid in the ISR. Now, Faiz Hamid belongs to the same regiment as that of Bajwa, the Baloch regiment. In fact, the three of the four senior most lieutenant generals who would be eligible to become the chief after Bajwa's retirement when his extended tenure ends in November 2022. But Faiz is number four in the pecking order, the most senior and as regarded by the peer group of generals as the most competent is the present corps commander of Rahul Pindi. He's been sent as corps commander there only last month, General Sahir Shamshad Mirza, who was earlier that Director General Military Operations and then Chief of General Staff with Mr. Bajwa, with General Bajwa. But after Mirza, the next three are all from the Baluch Regiment, all have had a very good professional career. But Fez has now become rather controversial because of his identification with Prime Minister Imran Khan's political agent. So recently, when the notification for posting of Nadeem Ahmed Anju as ISI chief was notified by the ISPR, Bajwa had to get an endorsement in a meeting of core commanders just to overcome the resistance of Prime Minister Imran Khan. It is also said that Prime Minister Imran Khan is very much influenced by certain aspects of witchcraft or sorcery or spiritual factors to influence this transfer movement, which have been imposed on him or advised by his wife, Bushra Maneka, who is believed to be dabbling in the occult. So, Imran has been insisting that he should hang on to Faiz Hamid as DGISI till the end of November or early December. This has created the misunderstanding. Mr. Banerjee, veteran journalist, Pakistani journalist Mohammad Ziauddin has written in the Friday Times that the contest between Imran and Bajwa, he says it's a draw. No losers and no winners. Would you agree with Mrs. Yaudi? At the moment, perhaps if we stretch the point and we see an absolute neutrality of positions, maybe we can say that. But the army has never taken kindly to this type of dabbling in army postings and promotions. The PMO notification, which finally endorsed Nadeem Ahmad Anjum's posting as DGISI, made it a point to mention that the Prime Minister had interviewed the entire panel of three generals. Now, this is not likely to go down very well with the army, senior army establishment. Lieutenant generals have never given or appeared in interviews before a prime minister. So, this would cause problems ultimately for Faiz Hamid himself when his tenure as corps commander completes a year and he becomes eligible for selection as army chief. But Mr. Banerjee, we don't really know whether General Bajwa will actually retire in November 2022. Yes, that's another aspect of new speculation which has come up now because although he has already got a three-year extension which was given by Imran Khan and which was very much criticized by the then Chief Justice of Pakistan Supreme Court, Mr. Justice Kosa, but subsequently tenure has been prescribed under the amendments passed in January 20 in the Army Act, Section 8, 6 clauses 8F, which provide that the Army Chief's tenure can be extended further up to the age of 64. Bajwa is presently 62, so or he will be 62 next year. So he may get another two years as an extension, but that would again involve a deal between him and Imran Khan. Whether that has been reached or not is difficult to say. Mr. Banerjee, 
looking at the overall scenario in Pakistan, the civil-military relations aspect, would you say that this has created a fault line which could have long-term implications or even short-term implications for Imran Khan and his government? Certainly, short-term implications for Imran. It is not something which will give a halo to Imran Khan for having stood up for civilian supremacy. It's not. It's something very personal and politically self-centered about his own political prospects because the present situation is such, the unprecedented price rise, the unemployment situation, the mishandling of governance in Punjab, all these factors have caused a lot of unpopularity to the Pakistan Tehrike itself. In a free and fair election, if the army were to remain neutral, it is likely that there would be a landslide against PTI. The parties like PMLN in Punjab and PPP in Sindh would get massive endorsements, which would be to the detriment of Imran Khan's PTI. But isn't that what the ISI and the army have been trying to do? Essentially ensure the irrelevance of parties like Nawaz Sharif's or the PPP and create this new hybrid structure, as you called it, uh, with the PTI. Yes, they did. But now they would have to go back to drawing boards, given this recent spat and the, you know, playing with fire, as I see it, by Imran Khan to further his own prospects and espouse this close personal identification with General Faiz Hamid. See, what has happened? Now, the peer group of generals who are of the same seniority or the next seniority cohort below Faiz Hamid, they feel that, you know, if this type of closeness is there, then what prevents Imran from making Faiz the chief for three years and then further extending his tenure for another three years? So six years would put paid the prospects of many other generals who have already put up with this type of extension in Bajwa's case. And this has not created a very good precedent in the army. So what is your sense, I mean, uh, going forward, and I will return to this issue, but for the benefit of uh, the Hindus in focus podcast listeners, can you explain to us what does the ISI actually do in Pakistan? We know its role outside Pakistan in fomenting terror in India, all these things we are aware of. But what is the role of the ISI itself within Pakistan? Well, the ISI has six or seven divisions. There are six major generals below the lieutenant general who is the director general of the ISI. So they have a technical wing, they have a counterinsurgency wing, they have a political wing and they have an external political analysis wing. And also they have a liaison wing which liaises with the foreign diplomatic military attaches. So the political wing and the counterintelligence wing, they keep a very close eye on the internal political situation also. So anybody who is emerging as a political contender, has to have very close vetting for his views on very many things, such as the supremacy of the army in maintaining overall control of foreign policy and particularly the policy pertaining to India, USA and the nuclear arrangements that Pakistan has. All these have to be under the direct control of the army. If there is a politician like former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, who was really being seen as trying to assert real civilian supremacy and trying to push the army back into the barracks. He was destabilized for this very reason. Through the Don Leakes case, after the Don Leakes became evident, the army went as far as to say that the notification of the prime minister's office is rejected, which was quite ridiculous. Thereafter, while Nawaz Sharif has now been in exile for health reasons in England for over a year now, he has been attacking this type of personalized approach of 
institutions like the ISI and the army, where they vet the proclivities of civilian politicians and then decide who is to be the facade, the civilian facade, whom they would support in the election. Now, Imran Khan, by having taken this step of delaying the transfer on possibly occult grounds, but going through the charade of interviews and all, he has rubbed the army in a very wrong manner. So I see a lot of possibilities for destabilizing Imran because he has a very slender majority in the National Assembly. He has only 179 seats, whereas the majority required is 172 in the National Assembly, a positive majority of seven, whereas the opposition has a combined strength of 161. So a little shift of a disgruntled group of seven to ten MNAs, if they switch allegiance, it would be enough for a vote of no confidence to pass against Imran Khan. And this is something the army could very easily engender or engineer. This is a prospect over the next one, one and a half years, which is still there till Bajwa retires, even before possibility of further exchange, that we will have to watch very closely. So again, uh, Mr. Banerjee, to uh, make our listeners understand, does the army work on its own in you know meddling or interfering in the politics of Pakistan? Or does it use the ISI as a handmaiden? Or does it have other intelligence agencies to do this? No, the ISI is very much the army's handmaiden. In fact, 30% of army officers, particularly at the senior and supervisory levels, are sent to the ISI on a rotational basis. There was a time when deputation to the ISI was not regarded as something that was aspired for. But all this changed after the the Soviet invasion in Afghanistan and the US CIA's support of Mujahideen through the Pakistani ISI. The ISI became larger than life. It formed so-called, you know, exotic S-directorate about which Steve Cole has now written a very interesting book. So postings and deputations to the ISI at the senior level became very highly aspired for and desired. I can recall an incident where and this was shown to the then Indian Prime Minister, where a very young major of the army who had just been posted to ISI was telling his mother-in-law and wife that, oh, the whole world had opened up before him now that he was being posted to the ISI. So this is just an example of the changing perceptions of power within the ISI. Civilian authorities are also available. The IB is supposed to look after the internal issues. But in the IB, also, in the past, you had retired brigadiers being sent on deputation. Brigadier Ajaz Sah, who was a personal friend of General Musharraf, who played a very uh, insidious role when the Daniel Pearl kidnapping took place and Omar Sharif had to be protected from the Pakistani police. At that time, Brigadier Shah gave refuge to Omar Sharif for six days in his own house. So these are the type of things that have happened in Pakistan in the past. So the other issue, of course, of interest to India would be given the developments in Afghanistan and obviously the ascendancy of Pakistan and its intelligence agencies in Kabul and in Afghanistan. Do you believe that the ISI is still up to its old game of uh, training and helping terrorist groups and using them whenever it is opportune for them? Yes, there is no change in that capability of the ISI. In fact, vis-a-vis the Afghan Taliban, General Fayed Hamid had a very good equation with Mullah Biradar and others. Of course, Sirajuddin Haqqani has always been what the Americans described as the vertical extension arm of the ISI. That would remain like that. Now, there is a view that Bajwa wanted 
a new DGISI to emerge as his own man. So he wanted Nadeem, who has had a very good professional career, to actually start dealing with these things and not be dependent on somebody like Faiz, who was so close to Imran Khan personally. Although Faiz himself would be in Peshawar, so he would be the core commander in Peshawar. He would also play a very important role vis-a-vis what happens in Afghanistan. But definitely in these changes of October 6, Bajwa had very clearly thought out that he would want his own man as BGISI. This is what rattled Imran Khan a little bit. And he tried to play up this issue of formal notification by the Prime Minister. Mr. Banerjee, we also saw recently the Taliban so-called interior minister hold a function in a hotel in Kabul where he honored the relatives of suicide bombers. And this came at a time when a meeting was being held in Moscow where the Taliban was apparently seeking international legitimacy. So how would you balance this one image and the second efforts of the Taliban? It's a very deliberate show of strength by the Sirajuddin Haqqani faction of the Taliban. They are not going to change very easily. And though they would want international recognition, they would want legitimacy, which partly they already have, their pressing need of the moment is humanitarian aid. They would try to skillfully play the issue of starvation deaths or near starvation deaths of children and women in urban cities and refugee camps in Afghanistan, which they believe would be enough to influence the West to open their purse strings for humanitarian assistance to start flowing in a very generous manner through the edges of the United Nations. Whereas all these other things, they are doing more to cope with the aspirational needs of the younger Taliban commanders who have actually done the fighting in the field areas. They have suffered casualties and they want perks and privileges of power. So something has to be done to appease them so that they stop marauding the civilians or looting their houses or taking the law in their own hands. So they have a difficult problem, the Taliban leadership. So both these type of signaling is bound to be there. And in your sort of sense, given that India is now engaging with the Taliban and is a part of several multilateral meetings that have happened, what are the choices available to the government of India? Well, in my view, we should not rush headlong into befriending the Taliban overnight because it's not going to happen. How do we trust them? Even if we open up a line or a dialogue with them, what can we expect to get in return from them? Here is a group where at least the Haqqani, Shirajuddin Haqqani network, which was in the forefront of planning direct attacks on the Indian missions in Afghanistan. Here is a group which did not behave very well when the IC-814 hijack took place. I do not feel that we can start trusting the Taliban immediately. Of course, we should engage with them. And we may take part in the humanitarian assistance efforts through international bodies like the United Nations. Surely, even directly, we can offer assistance, for example, a supply of wheat consignment through the land route, which Pakistan will try to prevent if they take their own traditional position. So this could have the benefit of ingratiating ourselves with the Taliban and causing a problem vis-a-vis Pakistan's approach on this issue. But these are only small measures which can be taken, it will take a lot of time for trust to develop between us and the Taliban. And I feel it is only proper that we should wait and watch before we rush headlong into having a relationship. Mr. Banerjee, before I let you go, to return to the issue that we started off with, which is the public spat between Imran Khan and Kamar Javed Bajwa, 
We have seen uh, even in October 99, uh, when General Musharraf took power, he called himself the chief executive and not the chief martial law administrator, perhaps a sign of the changes, you know, in how the international community perceives uh, rulers in uniform. Given Pakistan's relatively precarious economic conditions and its international relations and the crisis in Afghanistan, do you believe that the Pakistan army will ever directly take power or will it prefer to rule through this hybrid structure, as you called it? They will not like to take power directly for various reasons. One being the international censure that they may expect. The second would be they would not like to directly handle the economic problems and complex issues through the military. So they would like to have a civilian facade which is amenable to their direction and control. They would prefer this arrangement. But with the present fracas that had happened, there have been certain red lines which have been crossed. The interviewing of Lieutenant Generals, for instance, or even if they were not interviewed, the notional expressing of contention by the PM's office, a notification which says that they were interviewed, this is not likely to go down well with the psyche of the senior collegiate leadership of Pakistani generals. So this is where I think Imran has crossed the line and he may have to pay a price. We'd have to see this. Of course, General Bajwa has been very quiet and although sullen. So where Mr. Ziauddin has said that this is a 50-50 result in the way the dispute has panned out, I still don't foresee Bajwa forgiving Imran for this. And the one-page concept has certainly been disrupted. How this is welded back again remains to be seen. I feel that it will not be very easy. And it's more probable that moves will be started to destabilize Imran Khan. The problem is that there is no alternative. The army doesn't want to bring back the Sharifs. Because Shahbaz Sharif, although he has tried to signal that he will not confront the army, within the party, Shahbaz is less popular than Nawaz Sharif and Maria. So there are question marks in this regard. And Bilawal Bhutto in PPP is coming to the fore. But problem with the PPP is they have only a rump presence in Sindh. They have no presence in Punjab. Any political party without presence in Punjab cannot rule Pakistan. So there are problems in army trying to weld together another hybrid dispensation minus Imran Khan. This is the situation where the domestic political situation of Pakistan is poised. Thank you very much, Mr. Banerjee, for talking to us in the Hindus in Focus podcast. We leave it here for this episode. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.